0: Listener Production. If you love that large scale change, like I love large scale change, this is for you. The biggest thing is you've got to remember that this is your business. So your reputation is your brand. You don't get to say the steer code made a project fail. You own everything. So if it fails, it fails on your watch.
1: I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. The most senior leaders in our organisations have traditionally been long term fixtures at the top. They've taken long periods of time to be appointed or they're part of a targeted succession program from within. Of course, it makes sense for stability and consistency at the very top of a business. But now there's a new phenomenon in the world of senior leadership, and it's the interim C-suite executive. My guest today is Nikki DeBell, and she has worked as an interim CIO in organisations since 2016. This new way of working is fascinating and we'll explore the idea and the practicalities in this episode. Nikki is the Interim CIO at Covermore Travel Insurance, a subsidiary of Zurich Insurance. In her time as Covermore's Interim CIO, she was placed number 22 in the CIO Top 50 and has led the global technology strategy that enables Covermore to position for post-pandemic recovery. Welcome to Fast Track, Nikki.
0: Hi, Margie. How are you? Good
1: to see you. What is an interim C-suite executive?
0: Sure. So they'll be an experienced executive that have got deep functional expertise. And normally they're brought into an organisation because they need to deliver large organisational change. And they'll differ to a consultant or, say, a project director because they'll not only have the change that they need to bring in, but also they'll be running the business function at the same time. So these roles have a much broader scope But one of the reasons why they're so incredibly effective is because along with those strategic change decisions, they're running the day-to-day business so they can make sure all those decisions line up to achieve the overall objective.
1: For the transformation or the change that's required. Yes, that's
0: coming through. So rather than trying to do it from the outside, they hone the holistic picture of what's coming through.
1: So how long has this been around? Because it feels like a new phenomenon, as I said.
0: Well, look, it's actually been around for a really long time. First off, to answer your question, say, 30 years. In the US and Europe, it's quite common and you'll actually hear the term interim CEO or interim CIO more than what you'll hear in Australia. In Australia, it's probably been about 10 years and certainly in the last five years, you've started to see a really big uptake in that. And that's because business environments are changing quicker so that, you know, businesses are trying to respond. So that's where the interims are coming in. But because it's often confused, you know, people confuse interim with acting, that happens a lot. But also, when someone announces the interim CIO or CEO or CFO, it puts a time bind around that person's tenure. So, in a lot of organizations, um, in Australia, there's been some really big ones actually that would have had interim executives in the role, but they haven't actually been called out as interim. So they might have been there for two years to give a really big change through and then they just quietly disappear and the new person comes in. But in the background, it's always been an interim arrangement with the CEO or the board.
1: Okay, Is it more prevalent in Australia now than it's been previously? Look, Do you I think, think it's increasing so. yeah. in popularity? I'm, I'm
0: certainly seeing it more and more and, and you know, I meet more people that, do the same work that I do now and organisations are very happy to have conversations knowing that you're only there for a short period of time because they want you to achieve an objective. And that's what they're bringing you in to do. And, and that fits them better because it means that they have the right leader for the right time. I mean, we do that with our other staff. We always say, right people, right job. It's the same in the C-suite now when, when things are changing so rapidly. I think that's really important.
1: So what made you interested in this style of leadership? You had a very successful career. You've had appointments in major ASX listed companies. Why did you get attracted to the interim role?
0: For me, look, it's change for one, but I've been really good at fixing things. That's what I've based my career on. That's why I've had the career that I've had is because I'm really good at fixing broken things. So I'll tend to look for roles that need recovery work or maturity uplift work done rather than say a, a business acquisition, for example. So what that means is that I bring all that experience and I get to do what I'm good at over and over again. And I guess I, you know, I don't have to do the boring bits. I just get to do the exciting bits and the bits that I'm really, you know, exceptional at. So that's what makes it attractive to me.
1: Is it more stressful? I know you said you're energised by doing the (laughs) non-boring bits, but it feels to me sitting here, it's more stressful, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's, look, it's, it's more stressful from the point of view that it's intense work. There's a lot of eyes on you when you walk in as to, you know, what are they going to do in the time that they're here. So you're leading big change, but again, you've got that business function and it's not, you know, interim roles aren't licensed to go out and be a cowboy and and drive through whatever you want and who cares about the consequence. You've actually got to leave a good culture, uh, a really good way of working at the end. So there's multiple things going on for you in that. Period. And your reputation's everything. So you can't kind of go in, go, I delivered the change and then disappear. You've got to go in and leave a, a really, you know, excellent function after you've left.
1: If you've got to manage the culture, make the transformation and the change, deliver the business outcomes at that C suite,
0: how do you do that? Look, the the job starts very differently right from the get go. So normally on a perm role, you might get lots of different interviews and it's it's gone through all this process. They normally come to you when they want something, especially in my work because they want recovery or there's a maturity thing that they need done straight away. So it might be a really quick onboarding process, like one week after you've talked to somebody, you know, because, again, reputation is everything. So then as soon as you arrive, you need to deep dive in some really key areas. So one, the financials. You know, don't wait for the budgets to come up. You've got to get in there straight away. Your people, your process, your technology uh, and really kind of work out what's going on and what's making things tick and what's going to stop you getting where you're going. So I think from a normal perspective, you, you might be able to sit there a little bit longer and kind of wait for the ebb and flow of business where this you need to kind of drop in work out what's the lay of the land very, very quickly and then start plotting out how you're going to reach the goal that you've been set but also improve along the way and, you know, fix and go.
1: And, of course, culture is really important to you and the style of leadership that you have is really important to you.
0: Is there a certain type
1: of person who does these interim roles?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's a certain type. There's certain skill sets I think you definitely need to have you know you're marketing yourself as an expert so I always kind of like make sure you're an expert at what you're saying you know having some integrity in, in what you're saying so uh, you know in my space it means making sure you might my tech skills are up to date but also you know what's happening at the board level people that can deal with ambiguity is really important because it changes and you don't you don't one you don't know how long you might be somewhere or when you start to unravel something what might Fall out, of course, as well. You've got to be strategic because you're going to get these day to day problems because, again, you've still got the day to day running of the business. So you can't get lost in those. You've still got to stick with the strategy. And people are really important. So, I mean, I always pride myself on saying I'm very protective of my team because I think if you're leading people through such large change, you kind of do need to wrap your arms around them and go, you know, let's go and take them with you on that. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm actually good at what I do, because I think as soon as I arrive on site, people get that feeling they realise, especially if the role has been called out as interim, you know, they realise that you're not here for a, a short period of time, but that doesn't mean you don't necessarily have their best interests at heart.
1: That's really interesting to hear. Do you think the world will be continuing to pursue this style of interim leadership into the future? And if so, why?
0: Because business environments are changing a lot quicker, you know, markets are changing a lot quicker. You know, you see mergers of companies that you would never have thought would happen are, are happening. And and so that interim exec role, I think, will play a bigger part just because there'll be more and more change that needs to happen. And, you know, you still need the longevity. You still need people with long tenure in roles. That's really still important. So it's finding that balance. So I think absolutely it will change. And then you know, if I put a technology lens on it and a, a cybersecurity lens on it, I think one of the things that I'm expecting to see actually is data breaches are becoming more and more commonplace. And I think the days of blaming the CISO or the CIO for a data breach are going because it's, it's very evident, you know, board's positions are that the C-suite owns the risk of cyber security. So I'm actually expecting to see CMO roles or, or CFO roles come in that might be, you know, if, they, if a CFO is left, they might bring in an interim CFO to really install like a, a security culture uh, within a finance area and then place the new CFO afterwards. I think those sorts of things will start to happen too.
1: Mm, so you think the future really holds a lot of that data breach, cybersecurity, consciousness.
0: It will be all across the C-suite. It has to be, absolutely has to be, and and each area needs to understand how it applies to their function. So I I think, unfortunately, it will be the data breaches that push that way of thinking and that approach, but I'm putting money that that's where that will start to happen.
1: part of being an interim cio or ceo in the c-suite
0: look it's very intense work there's absolutely no shying away from that and there's a large focus on what you're doing and it's not always popular what you're doing either of course you know it's not all all rainbows and sunshine um so you know that there's that stress that comes from that and you're never actually going to be there to see the fruits of your labour, which is sometimes really disappointing because sometimes I sit there and I think, oh, man, this job's going to be so easy in six months' time. But you're not there because one of those things along with your deep dives when you come in is you're planning your exit on what are the things that mean it's time for you to move on from the organisation. So it's a lot of work, but that's, uh, that's the gig.
1: So are you planning your exit the minute you walk in the front
0: door? Yeah, I do normally because you've been told what they need to achieve, so there'd be you know your definitions of done agreed ahead of time as to what that is, and and that's why I think too. Remember when I said before, if you mention the word interim, people kind of think, oh, she's here for six months or twelve months or whatever. When really it tends to be change driven, and you, you know when you're working out the agreement, they might think it might take twelve months, but it might take you know, it might take 18 or it might take eight. So uh, you need to work out the definition of done when you arrive and then you might modify that along the way. But yeah, you, you tend to know.
1: You don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, <laughs> but I'm curious, do people want you to stay? Do they get you to be the Ms it of everything and so therefore want you to stay?
0: Uh, in short, yes, they do. They They do want you to stay. But Part of the benefits of working like this is that you stay apolitical, yeah, because you're not there for a long time. So so so-and-so's behaviour or their way of doing something or their style doesn't really bother you that much because you're here to do a job and you care about your people and what you're doing. You're not necessarily caring that in three years you might be going for the same position. So I think if you stay too long, you become part of the problem. I think one of the triggers for me as well is going, have I reached my time here is when I start perhaps behaving like some of the other C-suite because I think, well, no, 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 my motivations have changed. So, you know, is this one of your, your triggers to go, hey, you've done your job, it's time to move on?
1: I love that answer so much. Do you think this should be something that a person out there listening to the Fast Track podcast says, that's my career objective, that's what I want to aim for?
0: Look, I think if you love that large-scale change, like I love large-scale change, this is for you. The biggest thing is you've got to remember that this is your business. So your reputation is your brand. You don't get to say the steer code made a project fail. You own everything. So if it fails, it fails on your watch really. So you've got to be very conscious of that if you're going to go and do that for a living. And then it's very intense and then you might have breaks in between and you'll need your breaks because you'll need to... Decompress, and then you'll also need to do study, for example. So, if you're happy to do that ebb and flow of work, and you love that change piece, then absolutely think about this. If you've if you've got the experience to do it, absolutely.
1: The most rewarding things I'm hearing you say have been being able to play to your strengths mm. and being able to not get involved in the politics, and enables you to sort of really grow continually. It feels a bit stressful, the thought of jumping into a new business and a new culture every few years. But I'm curious, is there anything else that's rewarding in terms of being an interim C-suite executive?
0: I like the recovery pieces. I like the maturity uplifts. And in technology, that's meant that I've been able to introduce new technology and remove legacy systems. So one of the most rewarding things for me has been that you know, in my current role, everybody's job description in the time that I've been there has changed. And it's changed because new technology has come in and they have brand new career paths and and development opportunities that just weren't there before. So along with all those things that you've said, you have the ability because you're bringing in change to do that in a way that there's a lot of positive benefits for the people that you're leading as well. And I find that really, really rewarding.
1: And as well as the organisation, because it feels to me like the interim CIO or C-suite executive is sort of like a hybrid between a consultant and a full-time person. It's that step between. Have I got that right?
0: Yeah, kind of. It's certainly the speed of the consultant, I think, but uh, and it depends the consultant background, really. But yeah, you need to come in with that deep functional understanding. But it is, yeah, it's probably a bit of a combination of the two.
1: And if I hear correctly, we don't always know when someone's an interim.
0: Yeah, I just, I would love to out a a couple of people, but I'd probably get in trouble. But I think if you've worked in an organisation and you've had a C-suite in there and they've only been in there for a couple of years and they've done a change and they've left and it's all been you know, they've been good at their job, for example. I think there's a good chance that at the beginning, the determination was that they were only going to be there for that period of time.
1: So fascinating, Nikki. Have you got any final ideas for us and any final insights for us about this interim role?
0: I think if you're working for an organisation and they've brought in an interim executive, whether they've been open about it or not, it's actually a really positive thing. Don't think of it as, they're here to kind of sweep the floor and, and leave and they don't have skin in the game. It's a really mature way for a board to think about something. It's the right person for the right job to achieve the right objective. And the, the more companies embrace that, I think the more they'll be able to gradually grow rather than having these big jerky changes that they go through and, and just continually improve. And I think interim executives are a great way to achieve that.
1: Mickey, I have learnt so much today. Thank you incredibly for sharing the insights into this somewhat secret role that I'm (laughs) I'm only learning about. You're making
0: it sound much more (laughs) exciting.
1: (laughs) Of the interim C-suite executive. Thanks for being on Fast Track.
0: Thanks very much.
1: The track was presented by me, Margie Hartley. Producer Tina Matalov. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Listener.